Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Judges chapter 6, verse 11, if you're there, can you shout amen? Amen. The word of the Lord says this, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you. Come on. The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, please, Lord, one more time, Gideon complaining, Gideon insecure. Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan, my family is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Verse 16, the last one, then we'll pause. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you. But I will be with come on why don't you underline that highlight that you need to put that like on your your window of your car but I will be with you but I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as one man we're gonna pause there Judges chapter 6 we're looking at Gideon this week Gideon maybe we've heard of Gideon maybe we have no idea who Gideon is Uh, Let's talk about him. He's mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 as a hero of the faith. What we just read doesn't sound like a hero, but I think um, we can relate to Gideon. For sure, I can relate to Gideon, and hopefully we find something that uh, we could relate to him. In the next 24, 25 minutes, we're going to talk about this hero of the faith today. Uh, Today, if you're here, if you're taking notes, we like to take notes at church. I want to talk to you from this title. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Why don't you high five three, four people around you and tell them, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. That's right. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. We're going to pray and we'll talk about Gideon and God and his story. And then we'll pray for all of us and have an amazing week as we prepare to bless our city this Saturday. We're back to school. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for all that you have done. God, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for this service. Thank you for every service. Thank you for every single person connected. Speak to us today, God. Thank you that you're an encourager, a lifter of heads. Put our eyes on you today as you've called us to run with horses. We love you and we thank you. Thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that all of God's people say, yeah. oh, come on. In Jesus' name, all of God's people say, yeah. can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? Our character this week, Gideon, is having a difficult moment in his life because the state of his people and the state of his life 
are at risk to be overcome, destroyed, and taken out. And so Gideon is hiding from the enemies. He's doing his job on the low, doesn't want to be found out. And then God appears to him, sends an angel to speak to him. And as we just read, he's having a conversation with the angel because they are in disagreement to who Gideon is. Gideon is going through a, a self-identity crisis. God calls him one thing, and, and Gideon for sure is not acting like what God is calling him. I think we can relate in many ways because I think our country, our nation, really our world is going through an identity crisis. I was reading an article this week on different movie stars, celebrities that go through identity crisis, and I found this one piece in the article that said a 2019 interview focusing on the acclaimed British actress Emma Thompson's 60th birthday was titled, Emma Thompson Gets a Shock at 60. The author stated, if anyone did not expect to have a midlife crisis, it was Emma Thompson. All her life, she knew who she was. Now the roles that she embraced, mother, wife, performer, have her asking, am I any of those things? And if not, who am I? Actress Sophie Turner from Game of Thrones, despite having a stellar career and a celebrity husband, also struggles with identity. At the age of 25, she confessed, I don't actually know who I am. Another incredible movie actress, super successful actress, said that she had this to say about herself. I don't watch any movie that I'm in. It's absolutely horrifying. <laughs> I just focus on something like, I hate my laugh. Why did I smile? Sometimes I look at myself and think, dude, I have the biggest, goofiest smile on earth. When she really wants to feel bad, she Googles herself, she says. Only in very dark moments, moments of pure self-loathing, do I type my name to Google. You never read anything positive. You always go straight to the negative where they say something nasty about you. You're fat, you're ugly, you're tired, you're worthless, you don't have a career anymore. She said, it's just an affirmation of every horrible feeling about yourself. If these are celebrities, superstars, who've made a name, a career, have the fortune, have the fame, and they have an identity crisis, I think some of us can absolutely relate we're there. Who are we? What do we have? Why do I look like this? I'm not happy with who I am, the way that I've made. I think we're living in moments of identity crisis more than ever before. People are questioning. I think one of the reasons why we're having an identity crisis in our world today is because we live in a congested world. I mean, everything and everyone is telling us who we need to be what we need to possess, what car should you be driving, what cologne should you be wearing, how your body should look like. This is what your dad bod should look like at 60. It's like, I don't even look like that at 25, right? <laughs> We're having an identity cry. Who am I? I'm not happy. I'm upset. I think all of us have dealt with that. I, I've dealt with, with problems of insecurities and identity I mean, I remember being 18, being overdrafted, frustrated. I remember I wasn't making too much money at my job and I was trying to get ahead. And because I didn't pay a ticket on time, they suspended my driver's license. I was driving with a suspended driver license for months. 
Yeah, some of you are, are judging me right now. Some of you, your license is suspended right now. <laughs> Judge me all you want. Frustrated. Think I'm never going to get ahead. Got married at 24. At 25, still to find ourselves in a financial hard place. Like, God, are we ever going to get better? Am I ever going to get ahead? After that, then years later, we become pastors of a church. It's like, I'm too young. I'm not holy enough. I don't even know the Bible that well. How can I become sp feeling spiritually inadequate? God, but how? I still haven't even graduated. I don't have my bachelor's yet. I went to Miami-Dade University, a.k.a. Miami-Dade College. <laughs> Anybody like me? Come on, you're just tr tr trying to make it. I finally switched to uh, Bible college, and it took me some years to finally graduate from Bible college while I was working a full-time job. It was hard, and you feel inadequate. Then last year, we have a baby, and it's like nobody prepares you for a baby. <laughs> How do you put the baby in the car seat? Then you go home, and that first night, you are staring at that child, and you realize you are responsible for the next 18 years to provide every meal, to take care of them. Some of you are like, 18, I'm still providing at 45 for mine. <laughs> we'll pray for you. Right? But it's like, you just feel inadequate. Like, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I'm able to. I just think like we just have an identity crisis. I'm not happy. I'm insecure. I got all these issues. In fact, I put it this way today. A lack of identity results in an excess of insecurities. Today, I really believe there's just so many of us that are insecure. We don't feel good enough. We don't feel holy enough. We don't feel valuable enough, smart enough, capable enough. There's all these insecurities. In fact, some of us, what we do is we're like, nah, we're good. What we have is an excess of, of pride and really is just to cover up some of the insecurities of the past so either your ego's too high or too low right but all it is is an identity crisis who am i i'm struggling maybe you're here and, and you can relate you've been there people have labeled you you'll always be this person this is who you'll always be this is the type of person you'll always be known as, right? The type of person, right? Everybody has a nickname. You have this nickname that'll never die off. You'll always be the person. You'll always be the black sheep of the family. You'll always be the person that never amounted to any good. You'll always be the divorced one, the sick one. You'll always be the one that has this label. You'll always be the liar. You'll always be the one that's in trouble. You'll always be the one that never got ahead. You'll always be the one with the crazy children. You'll always be the one that business never prospered. And we have all all these labels, oh, you were the addict, you were the this, you were the ex that, ex. I mean, sometimes we need to rip off those labels and say, that's not who I am. I believe I am who God says that I am. We got all these labels on our mind, on our heart, on our spirit, and we start to live up to those labels more than what God says that we are. Charles Spurgeon, the incredible preacher, said, oh, don't rely too much on labels, for too often they are fables. In other words, those labels are lies from the enemy. Don't believe them too much. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what people have said about you and I. What we need to do is grab those labels, throw them in the trash, read God's word, and says, wait a minute, God says that I am able. God says that I'm an overcomer. God says that I am in him a new creation. God says that I can overcome. God says that I'm victorious. God says that I'm healed. God says that I'm delivered, that I'm adopted. God says that I am a new creation in him come on we need to start repeating some of these things in our heart and in our soul what label today is limiting you 
They limit us. They limit our expectations. They limit what God can do on our behalf. He'll never be able to use my marriage. He'll never be able to use my family. He'll never be able to use me in our community to be a leader. Oh, there's no way that we could be an example. Look at my life. I made too many mistakes. There's shame and guilt that's following me. I want to tell you, God is a God of new beginnings. God is a God that gives us new starts. God is a God that gives us a new identity and a new name. Anybody thankful for the God that we serve? Come on, today, he can turn it around. Rip off those labels and start to believe you are an overcomer. You are victorious in the name of Jesus. I put it this way today. Accept who God calls you to do what God has for you. Today, you and I, we need to accept, receive, believe what God calls you in order to do what God has for you. You want to walk in your purpose and your calling? I needed to get to a place where I'm like, God, I'm going to believe everything you say about me. I'm not going to let my limitations or my labels dictate what I do for God. Are you with me, church? What label today is following you around? And as we're talking, some of you know, you got these labels in your mind. In Jesus' name, those labels have to come down. Talk about labels. Talk about fear and insecurities. Gideon, our hero today is full of limitations. Judges chapter 6, we get to verse 11, and the people of God are in trouble. Right? It seems like this is a pattern with the people of God that they always disobey God and they end up in some trouble. It happened all throughout the Bible. We talked about it all throughout this series. Can I tell you, it still happens today, right? We disobey God and we end up in some trouble because sin has consequences. The good thing is that God is always a God who wants to turn things around. Amen? Amen. And so maybe you've messed up your life. Maybe you're in a place where you're not happy. Can I tell you, God can turn it around. And so in Judges chapter 6, God still wants to turn their situation around. In spite of their disobedience, in spite of them not following the law of the Lord, God says, I still want to bless you. I still want to turn things around. So today, it doesn't matter where you are in here or watching online. God wants to turn your situation around. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless your family and bless your home. So he's looking for a leader. Somebody say leader. God is looking for a leader so that he can go and wipe out the enemy that is oppressing the people of God. Now, you would think, I would think that God is looking for a hero, one that is ready with a sword in his hand, standing at the top of a mountain, looking like Hulk Hogan, saying, let's go. (laughs) Yet he goes and he taps on the shoulder of a young guy named Gideon. Gideon doesn't even sound impressive. Gideon. What's up, Gid? <laughs> like, good, giddy Gid. I don't know, but his name means warrior. Gideon means warrior, and yet he's named this, and he's not living up to his name or doesn't believe in his name. But God is looking for a hero. God is looking for a leader, and he taps on Gideon's shoulder. Now, now Gideon, the Bible says, he's in a wine press, and he's working with wheat. If you know anything about agriculture, wheat is not supposed to be done in a wine press, literally a cave or a den. It's supposed to be done somewhere in the open where the air can hit the wheat so that the shaft is blown away. He's doing this in a hiding place. And the Bible says that Gideon is hiding. Like, this is who you're going to call to lead the people of God? Gideon Gid that's hiding? Like, he, he is fearful. He's not living up to it. The Bible says he was afraid of the Midianites. Wow. He was afraid of the enemy. 
Yet God is looking for a leader, and what he wants to do is reveal to them their true identity and their true calling and their true purpose. I think some of us in here, we walked in here this morning and we came to worship God. Maybe somebody invited us. We're here and we're like, I don't know. I just want to wrap this up quick and go. And you're hiding from God. You're hiding from the calling that he has over your life. You're hiding from being that leader in your family, in your home, in our community. And God is saying, I'm tapping on your shoulder and I'm about to tell you what I can do with your life. It's time to stop hiding. Come on. Our society, our culture, our city needs leaders now more than ever. Can I tell you, you can't hide from God. You can run, but you can't hide. Oh, God will go and knock on your door. He will call your number from heaven. Somehow, some way, when God is calling you, you can run, but you can't hide. Gideon is hiding. He's afraid. He is terrified because of the situation with the Midianites. He's like, God, if you're going to use anybody, it's definitely not going to be me. You can pass right over me. You can pass over me. I'm not the guy for the job. I think today, I can relate to Gideon. I've, I've been there. Maybe you can relate to Gideon. Insecure, feeling inadequate. You don't know what life has thrown at me. So, no, I, I can't be the person that stands up and makes a difference in my office. No, I can't make a difference in our community. No, I can't do this in the city of Miami. No, I can't serve on Dream Team. No, we have all these excuses for making a difference in our world because we feel inadequate, less than, insecure. What are some of the reasons? Pastor Craig Rochelle shared three reasons, and I'm going to share them with you because I think they're spot on. And maybe some of us, we, we say, yep, that, that's it. Maybe one of these is me. Why do we feel inadequate? Three reasons why we feel inadequate. Some of it is, number one, unfair criticism. Growing up, some of us got criticized perhaps by a parent, perhaps by mom or dad, perhaps a neighbor, a friend, a teacher, and it was unfair. They just said, you'll never amount to anything. Oh, you'll always be the dumb one. You'll always be the, the hard-headed one. Oh, you'll always be the one that gets in trouble. You'll always be the addict, and you have this unfair criticism over your head. Ah, you, yeah, you know, you, you struggled with math. You'll never be able to mount financially stable in your life because you don't know, you can't deal with numbers. Or, oh, you're always the problematic one, right? Unfair criticism that we received in our life. Some of us, that's where we're at today. We're still dealing with some of these labels and criticism that people gave us. And so we're not living to what God says. We're living to what people said about us. And today we're struggling in that area because somebody spoke something over our life and it still hangs over our head. Number two, it could be unrealistic compliments. In other words, people put such high expectations over your life that you feel, I'll never amount to that. Oh, you're amazing. You're too good. You're incredible, right? You're awesome. And now people are, have a fear of failure. Like now they give awards to third, fourth, fifth place. Back in the day growing up, you had to be first place to get an award. Everybody else work hard to get there. Now you come in fifth place, and it's like you get the fifth place trophy. It's like, you made that up. And now if they fail, they have a fear of failure. So it's unrealistic compliments. And then number three, I think it's unwise comparison. I think this one is spot on. I think this one is one that we can all relate to for sure. Oh, we compare our lives with everybody. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're in a place where you're healthy and you're good. You're like, I'm healthy in my mind, body, and so I don't compare my life. But I think a lot of us, we can relate especially with social media and TV, magazines. I mean, you open up your phone and perhaps a friend that you had in high school, now you see they, they have a $100,000 engagement ring. 
they throw a $50,000 wedding, then they go to Hawaii for their honeymoon, and you're sitting here with a cubic zirconium <laughs> having a cheeseburger meal for dinner on a Thursday night, and you go back to your townhouse that is too tight for your family, and you feel like a failure because you're comparing yourself to everybody else. Pastor Stephen Furtick says, oh, what we do is that we, we get our back behind the scenes and we compare them to highlight reels of everybody else. Nobody is going to put how much their life is terrible on social media. Nobody's going to say, hey, fought with my wife today, awesome day. Like, nobody puts that. Nobody's going to put overdrafted on the bank. Here we go, amazing. Like, nobody's going to put that. But what we do is that we compare ourselves. You know how many people we've talked to and counseled? That if I just went off their social media, I would think their life was amazing. Yeah. Right? I've seen couples put up a picture, both of them together. Love you. Awesome day. Lindos. <laughs> right? An hour later, they're in the office about, I can't stand her. I can't stand him. Divorce. Right? It's like, but if you go based off the picture and all we do is that we compare our lives to everybody else's life. Start appreciating what you have. Start appreciating your spouse. Start appreciating your townhouse, your apartment. Start appreciating your hoopty. Start thanking God for your clothes. Start thanking God for the body that he gave you. The hairstyle that he gave you. Start appreciating the God, the God that made you. Tell him, God, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made oh start walking in the identity that God gave you come on we have too many people comparing I've been there pastors we talk about it. you know how often I open up social media I'm like whoa they just got a brand new building we can't even fit <laughs> our chairs are tiny our AC's frozen <laughs> I'm appreciate what God has given us I'm going to appreciate the blessings that we have and not let it get to me to a place of insecurity, inadequacy. Today, maybe, maybe that's what you're struggling with. Now, I can never serve God. I can never be part of dream team. I can't join a connect group. I can't go back to school bash this Saturday and serve. I, no, I can't be a part of this because there's all these insecurities and limitations. Our culture is too crazy. Our society is wild. Nobody will ever listen to me in the office. They'll think I'm a radical, a fanatic. They'll say, ah, if you only knew where you came from, we know your story. And we have all these things limiting us. Gideon can't even believe what God is telling him. Yet, you go to Hebrews chapter 11, where all the heroes of the faith are named, and Gideon is there. How did he go from being scary giddy <laughs> to a hero of the faith he's named in Hebrews 11 the writer of Hebrews says oh if I could tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson we read that verse it's like how did Gideon make it there that, that's not this Gideon God was trying to call him all along by who he really was Judges chapter 6 we'll read it one more time verses 11 through 12 now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abbezerite, while his son Gideon was beating out the wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Like that's not, that's not what Gideon is doing at the moment. O mighty man of valor. Like, if I was the angel of the Lord at that moment, I would, I would tell him what he's doing. Hey, Gideon, scary cat. Hey, Gideon, 
stop it, bro. Relax. Like, what are you doing? Yet God always calls us by what he sees in us, not what we're currently doing. God is always going to call you by the potential calling, gifting, and anointing on your life, not by your current situation. And so if Gideon was here today and we were to hand him the mic the way we did Jeremiah, Samson, and Elijah, Gideon, how'd you make it to Hebrews 11, the hall of faith? How? I mean, you were scared, afraid, hiding. How? I think number one, we'll finish really quick. The piano's already playing. Number one, I think he said, well, I needed to accept the identity that God gives me. He called me warrior. It's the name I got from birth. It's what he called me when he showed up, when I was hiding from the Midianites. I think Gideon said, well, me and God had a disagreement there for a second. He's calling me a mighty man of valor, yet I am hiding. I needed to accept who I was in him. Today, do you know what God calls you? Do you know the promises in the word of God over your life, over your family, over the generations to come? Are you only speaking negativity over your children? Are you only speaking negative, faithless, hopeless over the generations to come, over your household? Some of us, we can't receive blessings because we're only speaking curses. It's hard to walk in prosperity and blessing when all you do is curse what God has given you. Oh, come on, it's time to change your language. It's time to put new words in your mouth and speak what God speaks. I am healed. We are blessed. My children are blessed. My generations will be blessed. I'm going to speak what God said. Perhaps you're still stuck to an old identity. We were at youth camp this week, and I'm texting with a friend who's out of town. He's a part of our church, and he used to be a youth leader with us. Now helps out in another area, but... I'm texting with him and we're talking about youth camp and remembering when he was a youth leader with us. And, and I remembered a time where he was there with us. And if you know his story, if you knew him a little bit, he'll tell you. He was like, man, my background was messed up. Comes from a line of a dr drug dealing family and he ended up following in those footsteps. He ended up doing federal prison time, almost six years in a federal prison. Record shows that all the trouble he got into in prison, he gets saved, he comes out, he starts serving the Lord, starts coming to Calvary. A few years later, he joins the youth team, he's with us at youth camp. And I remember one night, I'm like, hey, why don't you go up there and encourage the youth? Just one night, just I told him, go up there before I preach, go up there and encourage the youth. He's like, who, me? No, I can never go up there. Come on, Alex, you know me, I'm a criminal. <laughs> you know, delinquente. Um, my record, you know, you know where I come from, there's no way I can grab a mic. And I remember we just encouraged him that night. Come on, this is what the youth need to hear. God's going to use your story so that he gets the glory. And he got up there and he started preaching with all the power. This is what you need to do. You need to accept who God calls you. Forget the labels of society. Forget the labels that they placed over you, that they spoke over you. God is going to use your past to show that he's a God that gives us a new future. He's the God of new beginnings. He's the God that takes away shame. He's the God that takes away pain. And he gives us a future and a hope. This is the God that we serve. I'm not my past. I'm not my label. I am who he says I am. I think today God is telling some of us, I'm talking to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is past. Behold, the new has come. Hey, mighty man of valor. Whom, whom me? And I think God's like, I'm talking to you, Gideon. I, I'm talking to you, mighty man of God. Today, hey, mighty woman of God, you can make a difference in Miami. Who, who me? Yeah, I'm talking, I'm talking 
to you. St. Catherine of Siena said, be who God called you to be and you will set the world on fire. I love that. Right, I think Gideon is struggling and little by little he's going to start accepting the identity. If, if Gideon was here, what else would he say? Gideon would say, well, number one, I accepted the identity. And then we keep reading. Look at Judges. Judges chapter 6. If we could read, I believe it's 13 through 14. Judges chapter 6, 13 through 14. And Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of the Midians. Do not I send you. I think if Gideon was here, he's like, Man, I doubted who I was, what God called me. And then I doubted that God could take us out of the circumstance that we were in. How did he make it to the hall of faith? I think he'll say, Number one, accept the identity. Number two, seize the opportunity. I think Gideon would say, I, I really thought that God couldn't turn around my situation. I really think that the Midianites were going to overcome us and destroy us. And I, I didn't believe that God was faithful enough to do it. And he starts complaining. He said, God, how are you going to do it? The Midianites, they're powerful. They got chariots and arrows and swords. And here I am. I'm just hiding in a cave. I'm doing the, I'm doing the wheat in a wine press. But what I needed to realize was that God is the God of the impossible and there's nothing too hard for him. There is nothing too impossible for him. It does not matter what situation you're in. It does not matter how you walked in here on a Sunday morning. We serve a God that turns everything, 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 everything around. There is nothing that God can't do. I came to prophesy over somebody that God is going to turn your situation around. Seize the opportunity to believe it. Seize the opportunity to speak in faith seize the opportunity to serve him God will do everything he says he will he's a God of promises he's a faithful God oh come on if he did it then he'll do it again he'll do it tomorrow that's the God that we serve I'm reminded of my friend's story another friend his father was in prison a lot of people go to prison his father was in prison he had gotten in there for some really poor choices and in prison, this man of God visits, his pastor visits and, and preaches the gospel to his father. And his father's like, I don't know. I mean, I believe in God. I gave my life to Jesus in prison, but how's he going to use my story? How's he going to use my life? I got this criminal record. I'm messed up. And he just started believing that no matter how bad the crisis is, God can always turn it around. He came out of that prison. He's like, I'm just going to do what they did with me. I'm going to go to prisons and start preaching the gospel. Can I tell you today, 2023, he runs the largest prison outreach ministry in the nation. Come on, God will turn your crisis into an opportunity so that he gets the glory, so that he gets the honor. Today, I don't know what you are in the middle of, but God can use your pain as a platform so that he gets all the glory and all the praise. Today, you got to believe it. Seize the opportunity. There's nothing too hard for our God. Maybe you're like, Alex, but I'm in an impossible situation. Impossible is all that he needs. Isaiah 59, verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dual that it cannot hear. Our God is able to hear, heal, restore, and turn anything around. I think Gideon would say, hey, I finally started accepting the identity that I have in him. 
I started to seize the opportunity that although there were many against us, if God is for us, nothing will, able to, will be able to stand against us all the days of our life. I think Gideon would say, I seized the opportunity to trust God. But Gideon, you, you still struggled. Judges chapter 6, verses 15 through 16. He said to him, please, Lord, how can I save it? Gideon was hard-headed, like some of us, amen? <laughs> Only one amen there, I know. <laughs> Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. The band can come up, we'll finish. And I'm the very least in my father's house. In other words, he says, oh, God, you're looking at the wrong family group. You're looking at the wrong person. My family is the most dysfunctional, smallest, weakest. And in my family, I'm like the runt of my family. I'm the weakest one. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you. I promise you, I just felt, felt that in my heart earlier this morning when we read it. That's for somebody here today. But I will be with you. And you shall strike the Midianites as one man. I think... Gideon would say, hey, I, I started walking in the identity that he gave me. I started to believe in the opportunity that God would turn it around because number three, I started to trust the power of God. Number three, we need to trust the power. Gideon made it to the hall of faith. And if you read the rest of Judges chapter six and read Gideon's story, it's absolutely incredible how God uses the weakest, the lowest, the most dysfunctional, smallest guy he could find hiding from him to turn around and overpower the Midianites. That's like what God does. Maybe read all throughout scripture, that's who God is. He uses the most messed up. He uses the weakest to show off his power and his strength. He uses those who have no strength to show that they are only used because of his power and his strength. He uses the ones that are very confused and lost to show that he's the one that gives direction and he's the one that gives clarity. Like he never calls us based on our abilities. He calls us based on his ability. Gideon, I didn't call you because you are powerful and strong and amazing and you look like a hero. No, I called you because you are not the hero. I'm the hero through you. Gideon, I don't need you to be a hero. I don't need you to be Superman. I just need you to trust in me and my power. Today, God's not calling you or I based on our ability, based on our capability, based on our strength. God knows our limitations. God knows our weaknesses. God knows our shame. God knows our guilt. But I thank God that he doesn't call me based out of that. He calls me based out of his grace, based out of his power, based out of his awesome mercy. Come on, that's the God that we serve. He doesn't call me based on me. He calls calls me based on him. I think Gideon would say, hey, trust the power. I think Gideon would say, man of God, woman of God, trust him. Trust him. Do you trust the power that he says, I will always be with you? That's a powerful promise from God. Several years ago, this October is going to be seven years since me and Anna became lead pastors of Calvary and I remember Diana started leading Embrace which is our anti-human trafficking ministry that we have here at church and I remember there was moments where me and Diana would talk and 
maybe she didn't feel capable enough to lead this ministry or what am I going to do with all these survivors? I mean, we literally get calls from the cops, from the FBI when we find survivors and we try to find the place to put them. And little by little, people just started standing up because whenever, whenever God gives you something and trusts you with something, he's going to equip you. And maybe there was moments of inadequacy, insecurities. I don't know if I can do this. Now we're the number one organization that gets called in South Florida when a survivor is found. And I think, and I think that there was moments perhaps where Diana felt like I can't do it or the team can't do it. Like we're not enough. We don't have enough. All these years later, look what God is doing. Several years ago, she got invited to the White House to an anti-human trafficking meeting with the president. Earlier this year, earlier this year, she was in the governor's mansion in Florida with the first lady of our state talking about anti-human traffic and need. Can I tell you, trust the power of God. He'll supply you. He'll back you up. He goes before you and behind you. He surrounds you with his grace, with his mercy, with his power. Oh, he, today he's calling you. Today he's talking to you. Mighty man, woman of God, mighty man of God, trust him. He's able to deliver. He's able to save. Come on, trust his power. He's a good God. Come on, why don't we stand up to our feet all across this place? Come on, I want us to stand up to our feet all across this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every hand raised. He's a good God. We're leaving in just a moment. I'm going to ask if you could stay for just a few more minutes. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you don't call us based on our past. In fact, you don't even call us based on our present. Gideon was hiding and he says, Almighty man of valor. Every eye closed, every head raised. Today he's calling you. And you're probably looking all around you like, who are you talking? I'm talking to you. Mighty man of God, mighty woman of God, he's talking to you. You don't see yourself as a mighty man. You don't see yourself as a mighty woman. All you see are your insecurities, inadequacies, your failings, your shortcomings. I can't, my struggles, my temptations, my this, my that. Man of God, woman of God, stand up. Accept the identity, receive the grace, receive the power, receive the strength. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. Hallelujah. Come on, pastors, if we could pray, any pastors pray, leaders pray, you could pray out loud, raise your voice. Father, we thank you that you're here. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you love us, that you're for us, that you're with us. Thank you, Father, that you move across as we meet. You inhabit the praises of your people. Today, I pray that you begin to break off limitations, that you break off labels in the name of Jesus. Every single label that's been placed on us, every stronghold of the mind, in the name of Jesus, the anointing breaks the yoke. Holy Spirit, come into this place, fill us from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, you're free in Jesus' name. Break the limits off in Jesus' name. You can be a leader, mighty man of God. You can make a difference, mighty woman of God. Doesn't matter if you're divorced. Doesn't matter if you're a single mom. It doesn't matter if you have a failed business. Listen, he's calling you mighty man and woman of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, that you're here. Thank you, God, that you're here. Thank you that you love us and that you're for us. 
when every eye closed, every hand raised today, in Jesus' name, I'll prophesy that from today on, you'll walk different, believe different, think different, and that you walk in your calling, in your purpose. Today, today maybe perhaps you need to talk to somebody. Talk to somebody on Dream Team. Tell them to lead you to one of our leaders, one of our pastors. Today you need to join Dream Team. Today you need to start walking. Forget the past. Forget the labels. In Jesus' name, break out of that. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Such a sweet presence of God in this place. Thank you, Lord. Start speaking God's word over your life, over your family. You're blessed. You're blessed. You are blessed and highly favored. You are the head and not the tail. You are on top and not beneath. You are blessed in the city and the country. You are the one that God goes before, behind, and surrounded. You are blessed. You are adopted. You are redeemed in Christ. You are who he says you are. Hallelujah. You're blessed. We're leaving in just one more minute. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're here today, you don't know God. In fact, maybe you're here and you feel far from God. You feel broken. You feel lost. I would love to pray for you. One last prayer. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're here, you say, Alex, I don't have a relationship with God. I feel lost. I feel confused. I've done so much wrong in my life. Maybe you're remembering something that you did last night, last week, last month. Can I tell you, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. The Bible says God is love. Now, the Bible also says God is holy. He can't be with sin, so sin it does separate us from us and God. It breaks the relationship between us and God. God can't be with sin, so sin creates the wall barrier. So what did God do? He sent this one and only son, Jesus. Jesus came and he grabbed my sin, your sin. The Bible says for all of us are sinners. And sin brings death. It'll kill you slowly, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, many times physically. Some of us, we're walking in that right now. We know sin is killing us. And I tell you, Jesus is offering hope, life, peace, mercy, grace. The Bible, Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus grabbed my sin, your sin. He went up on a cross at a place called Calvary. And there at Calvary, Jesus, he paid the price for sin. He gave up his life. And he died once and for all for sin. Went into a grave for three days. After three days, he resurrected. The Bible says, what must I do to be saved? says believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And you will be saved. With every eye closed, every head bowed. Today, if you're here, you say, Alex, I need a new beginning. Alex, I need forgiveness for my sins. I don't want to continue the way I am. I want to walk in my new identity. I want to be a new creation. Today, he'll give you a clean slate. Today, you won't be an ex-nothing. You'll be a mighty man of God and a mighty woman of God. When every eye closed, every head bowed, if that's you, if you're saying, today I need a new beginning. Today I need forgiveness. I want to repent of my sins. That means I want to turn around, look to God, and start a relationship with him. I want to put my faith and trust in God. With every eye closed, every head bowed, if you need Jesus today, I'm going to ask you at the count of three to raise up your hand. I'm not going to call you out. Nobody looking around. I just want to see who I'm going to pray for, and then you can put your hand right back down. All over here, additional seating, online. You raise your hand. You say, God, today, I mean business with you. I need you. Come into my life. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. At the count of three, you raise up your hand high enough, long enough for me to see you. Then you can put it right back down. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can, as high as you can. Hands up everywhere. Raise it up, raise it up, raise it up, raise it up. Say, today, today, I'm starting a relationship. Today, I'm starting. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Hands all over the auditorium. Incredible. You can put all your hands down. 
Congratulations on the best decision of your life. God sees you. Now we're just going to confess it with our mouth. Come on, the whole church together in one voice. Let's pray this prayer together. It's an easy prayer, but you can talk to God anywhere, any place. I'm going to make this first one easy for you as we put our faith and our trust in Jesus. All of us in one voice, repeat after me. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. Today I believe that you're the Son of God, Jesus. That you died for my sins. And on the third day, you resurrected. Come on, say, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I am saved, I'm healed, and I'm forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Oh, come on, why don't you go crazy for God right now and thank Him for every person that made a decision. Thank you so much. Hands went up all over the auditorium. Congratulations on the best decision of your life. Before you leave, we have a tent outside. You're going to see a lot of people waving this bag. It's a free gift that we have from us to you as a Bible, coffee cup, all of that. We want to hook you up today. We ask for your email. We want to send you a letter tomorrow from me and Diana welcoming you to the family and a lot of ways that we can help you out. We love you and we're for you. Amen. Anybody thankful for the good God that he is? Come on, he's a good God. Let's lift up our hands. I pray you have the blessed week of your life, that God will go before you, behind you, and surround you. May his glory shine upon you. In Jesus' name, I pray that you run with horses as you trust that he's calling you and calling your name. Come on, we got back to school this Saturday. Join us. Father, we thank you. We love you. We give you all the glory, all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen.